is Ryan Schreckengast, and I am one of the preachers here at GFC. Uh, and that was, that was just beautiful. I think that this morning we have uh, just a taste of, of where we're going uh, by the end of this sermon. We're going to see how this Ethiopian church uh, gets started and what a glorious thing that God has accomplished in, in completely, seemingly impossible ways. Um, and that's what I really want to talk about this morning, this, this seeming impossibility. Have you ever noticed that God seems to really love to do things the hard way? Um, he promises a 75-year-old childless man that he is going to be the father of nations. And then when he has a child miraculously, he then tells him to bring that child as a sacrifice. God chooses among all the people in the world for himself a people that will constantly reject him and turn to other gods. He promises to send a savior from the line of Judah who he then actively cuts off. And then when that savior arrives, he promises that he would be a conqueror. And yet that man is tortured to death in his 30s. We're going to see this same theme continue on in our passage this morning. That there is an impossible promise that God gives and then somehow fulfills. This morning we're going to be reading Acts 8 uh, verses 26 through 40. Uh, which is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And as a church, we've been reading uh, sequentially through the book of Acts. So just sort of as an aside, I promise you that today's Valentine's Day focus on an Ethiopian eunuch is, is completely coincidental. That there's, don't read anything into that. Uh, but, but again, we've, we've been reading through this book of Acts. And we have seen this unstoppable advance of God's kingdom against all odds. We've seen this among Jews and Samaritans. We've seen it through internal and external pain. And we've seen this growth uh, occur in the varied responses to the gospel of Jesus being preached around the world. So this morning, we're going to continue to see God work in absolutely miraculous and astounding ways, fulfilling his impossible promises. So we've broken up this this morning's text into three sections. Uh, First, we will hear about this impossible promise that is given by God and the impossible problem that needs to be overcome. Secondly, we'll see how much bigger and even more unattainable that promised life really is. But third, we will conclude seeing through the good news of Jesus that that impossible life becomes unpreventable. So let's start by reading Acts verse, or chapter 8, verses 26 through 31. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. 
and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Friends, in these verses, we see a man who is faced with an impossible problem. And the man expresses the problem very plainly in verse 31, where he says he cannot understand the word of God without a guide. And we could simply read over this very quickly and say, Oh, yeah, that that makes sense. He's a foreigner, so he probably needs someone to teach him about God. But I think that that would miss the, the true heart of what is going on here. Because the problem isn't simply one uh, of one culture relating to a foreign culture or from one language being understood by another language. This isn't only about head knowledge. The problem is much deeper. We know from verse 27 that this man was an Ethiopian. That is, not an Israelite. And yet somehow he has come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he desires in his heart to go and worship this God in a holy, in his, that God's holy city. And that by itself is actually quite amazing. And I wish we knew the story of how that happened. But it also says in verse 30 that he has managed to get a copy of the writings of the prophet Isaiah. And this actually, this this fact that he has these writings may explain some of his motivation for making this long journey from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem. Because what he's reading has motivation just buried deeply within it here. I want to read for you uh, Isaiah 56, verses 3 to 5, which most likely would have been extremely motivating to him. It says this, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. What an impossible promise, friends. We don't frequently encounter this concept of eunuch in our cultural context. But in that society, the ability to have children to carry on your name into the future was paramount. In a lot of ways, the future life of your offspring was more critical than even your own personal life. And so to be deprived, as this eunuch was, of any possibility of having children was like 
was likely worse than a death sentence. Even more painful than the humiliation and the shame that he would have faced every day despite his position of relative authority under this queen. And so this man hears about a God who promises that within his walls, he, a eunuch, can receive a name that is better than sons and daughters. That's a God worth worshiping, isn't it? That's a God worth, worth traveling to worship. But that impossible promise brings us to the heart of an impossible problem. He doesn't find what he expects when he arrives in Jerusalem to worship. We know from verse 28 that he is returning from this trip that he took and he has not found someone to guide him. Likely his reception in Jerusalem was not a warm one. And we can infer that because there is another law regarding eunuchs in Scripture. In the Hebrew Scripture, Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says that no one whose male organs are in the state of this eunuch shall enter the assembly of the Lord. He is expressly forbidden from coming into the very walls where Isaiah says he will find a monument and an enduring name. I don't know about you, but that is hard for me to understand. Why, God? Talk about a frustrating contradiction. It's impossible. The promise is impossible. And the problem is impossible because he wants to come and worship this God. He wants to understand the words of this God who make an impossible promise to him. But he's prevented from even entering the walls, from coming close. Friends, this Ethiopian eunuch is an outsider in every sense of the word. He is a foreign race. He presumably has a language barrier. And culturally speaking, he's not even a real man. So I'd say it's fair to assume that he's confused. He's frustrated. He can't even find someone to explain to him what in God's name this means. Impossible. So how does this apply to us? Friends, the first step in understanding the good news of Jesus is recognizing the impossibility of the problem that we face and the impossibility that God will fulfill this promise. So let's dwell on that for a moment. Have you ever felt this kind of frustration with God? Have you ever been simply just baffled by what God says is true and what you witness all around you? Maybe the questions could be some of these, maybe others. 
How can a loving God allow so much evil in the world? How can you desire to live a pure life and yet struggle every day with your sin? How could God make you in the way that he did and then tell you to live a life contrary to how you feel? How can God say that he loves you and yet all you see everywhere you turn, even in the church, is hate? Friends, why does God seem to do things the hard way? Let me assure you that you are not alone in asking these questions. But I beg you, Please don't give up looking for the answers in Scripture. Just like this eunuch continued to dig deep into the Scripture, even when he didn't understand. Because the answers are there. We just need a guide to understand them. And friends, we heard earlier in this passage that the guide is the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who brought Philip just to the right place at the right time to meet this Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of a road in a desert. And if you're asking these kinds of questions, the Holy Spirit can guide you too. He will bring the resources that you need to answer these questions. So let's look and see what the Holy Spirit reveals to this eunuch in this specific instance. How does he answer this problem? Let's read verses 32 through 35 and we will see the absolutely unbelievable life that could possibly come out of this impossible situation. Verses 32 through 35. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading, that is the eunuch, was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The solution to this impossible situation described before us is a person prophesied, humiliated, and killed. Jesus. And that is good news. That is good, good news. So we see here in verses 32 and 33 that we narrow in on a specific part of Isaiah that the eunuch has been reading. 
And this that is listed here is a short excerpt out of the middle of Isaiah 53. And while we don't have time to read this whole passage right now, it's an amazing testimony to the plan of God that his servant would be despised and yet offer his soul as a sacrifice to take away the sin of many. So I encourage you, please, this week, starting maybe with Isaiah 52 and going all the way through Isaiah 54, read this passage and read it in the way that the eunuch would have read it, desiring to understand the word of God. Because we know from verse 34 that his desire is to understand. He asks Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Who is this servant of God? Who is this? How does his soul make an offering for guilt? Which it says in those chapters. He wants to know this person. And the language that's used throughout all of these chapters, this this language of suffering and humiliation and death, may have done a couple of different things. It may have drawn his mind to make parallels between the stoning of Stephen, which we just learned about previously, and he very well may have witnessed that stoning himself when he was in Jerusalem. Or it may even have reminded him of his own condition, his, his humiliation, and his hope for future life cut off from the earth. But this is, this is directly applicable to him. And so he asks Philip to explain. Because friends, to understand the good news of Jesus, we must first recognize the real problem that is preventing us from fellowship with God. The problem that this eunuch has isn't simply a disfigurement of his body but a disfigurement of his soul. This is not simply a future that has been cut off from offspring, but a future cut off from the source of spiritual life. This eunuch, it's not simply impossible for him to enter the courts of God's temple to worship, but it's impossible for him to enter the presence of God at all, ever. Because of his sin. That is the real problem. And it is far greater than his castration. But in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus, that God's perfect son, who knew no sin, became sin for us. That we might be righteous before God. Jesus, the heir of heaven, became like a lamb to be brought willingly silent as a sacrifice. And that sacrifice were for those who were his enemies, who who humiliated him, 
who denied him justice and ultimately killed him, cutting off his generation from the earth. This is what the prophet Isaiah was foreseeing. That Jesus Christ took on every aspect of humanity that prevents us from coming into the presence of God. And he paid the price. He died our death. He died my death. So that we could have life. Friends. How can God promise an everlasting name that is better than sons and daughters that shall never be cut off? How can he offer that to a man who by his very nature has been shown to be incompatible with God? Because of Jesus, he can offer this. God can offer life to those that he himself condemned to death. Because of Jesus... Because God sent Jesus to take on himself that nature of man and to accept the death that it demanded and to give his own righteous nature his life to us. And so this applies this morning the same way that it did to the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch. This applies because we must understand the good news of Jesus. Recognize the sin that keeps you from God. That alone you are impotent to produce life. No amount of effort, no length of journey, no sacrifice of your own can possibly satisfy the price or earn you anything except more death. But understand also that the awesome thing that Jesus did on the cross was to reconcile the impossible. He came from the side of God the Father and endured your death on your behalf. So that you could stand with him beside God. Alive once again. Friends, this is the God who we serve. Who makes impossible life possible. This is the God that we sang about. And that we heard sung about. By that song from Ethiopia this morning. It's the same God. And it's not just a possible life now. In fact, God goes further and makes the impossible life unpreventable. Let's read this final section of the story, verses 36 through 40. And we'll see how the life that was once impossible is now unpreventable through Jesus. And as they were going along the road, They came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away 
And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Because of the good news of Jesus, the impossible life for a eunuch has become not only possible, but unpreventable. In verse 36, they're, they're just continuing along this desert road as far as it, as it took for this conversation to happen. And the eunuch, all of a sudden, he gets it. He understands. Wait, you're saying that Jesus paid the consequences for all of the things that separate me from God? My language barrier isn't a problem? My emasculation won't disqualify me? My sin is already washed in the blood sacrifice of Jesus? All I have to do is accept and be baptized? Well, for God's sake, there's water right there. What prevents me from being baptized? And all the while, I just imagine Philip's smile just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Nothing! Nothing prevents you because of Jesus. This would be like finding out that a loved one that you thought lost to you forever was waiting for you in the next room. Just behind a door. What prevents you from opening that door and meeting them again? Nothing. This would be like finding out that the terminal disease that you knew would kill you could be cured. What prevents you from simply having your life restored? Nothing. Open the door. Take the cure. Just just believe and be baptized. What an amazing thing. I love how the water that they find is just some random water on the side of the road. Maybe it's a puddle. Maybe it's just like a dirty ditch or a, a tiny stream. It doesn't matter. Because of the saving work of Jesus Christ, a puddle on the side of the road can image what no amount of temple sacrifice or no length of journey or religious study or self-help could ever accomplish. That's what this puddle represents. All of the immense power of sin and death Broken, represented by a stream through the power of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. His power makes the life that was impossible now unpreventable. So in verse 38, Philip and the eunuch go down together into the water and Philip baptizes him. They are now brothers forever. Fellow sons of God who have been united through the work of Jesus Christ 
and the Holy Spirit. And so through this baptism, doing this with Philip, the eunuch receives in that moment the promise that was prophesied by Isaiah. He comes up out of the water in verse 39 with a new name that will never be cut off. The name of Jesus is indelibly written on his heart and in his life. And do you notice that he has a family? His his brothers and his sisters back in Jerusalem where he couldn't even go and worship at the temple. Now he has a family. He has he has this community that God has given him. Spiritual children who are also going to bear the name of Jesus Christ for eternity. Friends, that's that's us this morning here. We are brothers and sisters of this eunuch. The song that we sang from the Ethiopian church, they are his children as well because they share the name of Jesus Christ. We are the offspring of Jesus and we share the same name that this eunuch did. Uncountable generations after he has died and he died childless, But we are all children of God together. And that can never be cut off. What an amazing God. What an impossible, incredible fulfillment of his promise. That we get to participate in. And that's exactly what both the eunuch and Philip Continue to do as they share in this mission to make Christ known wherever the Holy Spirit takes them next. Whether that's Caesarea, whether that's back in Ethiopia, they are united in Christ and they share in uniting others to Christ. So, how does this apply? Accept Jesus. (laughs) Please. Accept Jesus. Understand the reality of your separation from God. That's where you have to start. But know that he has already done everything necessary to remove those things. If you accept his payment on your behalf then there is nothing in heaven, hell, or earth that can stop you from bearing his name. Romans 8 says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Not tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus offers us nothing less than impossible, unpreventable, Life. So please accept that. 
Accept Jesus. And the second application, for those of us who have already accepted this life from Jesus, stop letting the things that have no power come between you and God. We make things so complicated sometimes. We allow our own failure to understand or our own physical disability or our own temptations or sinful desires to overshadow the simple good news of Jesus. There is nothing that can prevent you from being with Jesus. Not the sinful desire of your heart. Not the fear or uncertainty of the future. Not the strife in your family or in our nation. Not the anger or the persecution that you face. None of these can prevent you from coming to him. Because of what he did for you on the cross. So let's agree this morning. To put Jesus. Above all of these things. And let's seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we stay focused on who Jesus is. And let him be Lord in our lives. That's what he died for. So he deserves it. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for your life. Thank you for dying the death that we deserved. That we who have no hope of life could have life unpreventable. God, I pray for each and every one of us here that your word would speak into our hearts, that you would transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that your word would go out powerfully from our lives. To make disciples of all nations, wherever we go, God, even to Ethiopia, to Japan, to Uganda, to State College, everywhere, Lord, that you send us. May life flow from us because of you. In your name, God, we pray. Amen.